Amen. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Good morning. We're glad that you're here and uh, be able to participate by having your Bible uh, handy and the notes handy, the yellow sheet of paper for today. And again, James chapter 1 is where we're going to start. Our theme for our series is Growing Up for God, Practical Lessons in Spiritual Maturity. And that really is the theme of James. As we get started in James chapter 1, I just want to talk with you for a few moments about why James, Pastor Todd talked with us a little bit about that last week, uh, this James is not um, one of the apostles. It's not uh, the brother, James and John, Peter and Andrew, it's not that James. It's half-brother of Jesus, and uh, he wrote this uh, epistle uh, early in, in the life of the church, and here's how he starts his letter. Says James, a bond servant. Pastor Todd talked with us about that last week. I love that that's his claim to fame. A bond servant is someone that would choose to be a servant and choose to be a servant for life. That is how James describes himself. And then he says, um, of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Um, I want to talk with you just as we get started. And I know Pastor Todd went over this last week about why James wrote this letter. And this is very apropos to what I want to share with you. I would like my friend Luke to come up this morning and help me with an illustration. I have here a pack of cards. And for those of you, uh, this is Uno card. These are Uno cards, just to be clear. I just wanted you to know. And this is like Luke's favorite game. Is that right? Yep. And so actually Luke has taught me uh, in his years in youth group and stuff, all kinds of weird Uno rules uh, uh, that I think he makes up. But uh, I, so Luke, Luke, ha, we have an illustration that we want to do, and this is going to, in my weird mind anyway, uh, illustrate why James wrote this letter. Luke, if you'll just take, it's actually half of them. I just want you to throw them on the floor. Okay. Thank you very much. Very good at that. Everybody give me a hand. Okay. You probably, and I'll pick them up later. Um, because we'd, these, are, these are youth group property. We'd hate to bend the Uno cards, right? So, so here's the thing, and I highlighted it so there's probably a hint in your mind already. Luke just scattered the cards. And so to really understand... James, it's really important to understand that the Jewish believers were scattered, spread out. There are other versions that say the dispersion. Okay, there was uh, serious persecution going on in the early church. And the church scattered um, abroad. Now that's a word that is basically... Uh, we understand that today, abroad, which really means, you know, we're going to, you know, fly somewhere and go to a different country or whatever. Basically, that word in the text means anywhere else but Israel. And so the, the, the Jewish believers, that's very obvious by how many times James refers to his readers as brethren, as family. We're part of God's family, right? And so that's very obvious from reading the text. But they are scattered. So here's a principle that Pastor Todd and I 
have talked with you about for a long, long time about, about being a believer, being a Christ follower, being a part of God's family today. And that is we're much stronger together than we are apart. In James chapter 1, Pastor Todd talked with us about this last week, and I'm going to review a little bit because I think there is a powerful strategy that's in the first few verses of Luke, or I mean of James, that I just want to highlight for a minute. But in James chapter 1, here in the first few verses, he talks about trials. If you didn't get a chance to be here last week, uh, watch online, listen online, Pastor Todd's message about what trials are. And the early believers were going through incredible persecution. They were going through incredible hard times. And I think if they were here, and in heaven we can ask them, I think they would say that they were going through one of the weirdest times in their lives. And uh, we are too. The trials were unbelievable. And then James switches and talks about temptation. Let me just make a principle that I'm going to weave through the message today, and that is trials and temptations are a whole lot harder to face if we're alone when we're scattered. They are. Folks, they are. We're going to talk about temptation, and I want you to know I'm a little nervous talking with about that because temptation is a very personal thing. I'll talk to you about this because the Bible talks about it, so it's okay if I talk about it, right? Here, here's the thing. I'm probably tempted by different things than you are. And the Bible seems to indicate that, that there's different temp areas of temptation, like there's different areas of trials. I am probably, I'm smiling, big smile people, right? I am probably a good enough communicator that I could stand up here this morning and tell you my problems and I'm probably a good enough communicator to get some of you to feel sorry for me. Some of you would say, oh, poor Mel. Some of you would want to come up and give me a hug, you know, reach up and give me a hug. You know, and some of you want to pat me on the back and give me a hanky for my tears. Because I have convinced you how bad my problems are, right? And there's others of you that would say, who's kidding who? Mel, your life is easy. This is a piece of cake. It's no big deal. Trials are that way too. There is something that you're going through that could be incredibly difficult to you. And others don't see it that way. But for you, for what you're going through, and I think that's the idea. Temptations are like that too. Temptations of things that tempt me may not be the exact same things that tempt you. Temptations are, we'll talk about this, a solicitation to, to sin. It's where Satan tempts us to do what's wrong. Uno cards on the floor. It's really hard to face trials alone when we're scattered. This word scattered. In fact, it's interesting. Pastor Todd talked about that. The 12 tribes, 12 tribes, right? That's obviously a Jewish reference, and James was written to Jewish believers. Now, here's the thing, right? Jews in Scripture were very much um, a part of a support system. 
Why the phrase 12 tribes? Why that? Why not Jews that were scattered abroad? Because I think there's a point. And the point is, when we're away from our support system, trials are harder. Temptations. When we're alone, can I shoot straight with you? Is that okay? I'm a guy that traveled a lot for my ministry, travel and speak. Um, when I'm done speaking, big youth event, you know, hundreds of kids, yay, Mel, you know, and go alone. That's when I'm a very vulnerable target to Satan, when I'm alone. When there's no one around, when there's no support system. The Jews were scattered. And so James is writing this letter and said, you're going to go through trials, and it's harder alone. And you're going to face temptations, and maybe those are harder to resist alone too. So don't forget your support system. Also, it's important to understand the very next word. I mentioned this Wednesday night, if you were here. We look at that word in the text, and in my copy of the scriptures, it's actually set off because it's like its, its own paragraph, greetings. You know, we look at that, and it's like, hey, or hello, or good morning. <laughs> it's actually a word that means joy. James starts this letter and said, you're going to be vulnerable alone. You're away from, if you're away from your support system, you're, that's when you're vulnerable, when you're scattered. And I think, I think it's important for us to send them. And he says joy. One of the things that's woven in this passage is that concept of joy. Um, a few verses down, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you face various trials. A few verses down, it talks about the uh, um, blessed or happy is the person that endures. So there's that idea that we can rejoice in that. So I think it's even important to understand as we get started, this is not, <coughs> this is not a text of defeat. It's not. This is a text of victory. I think to illustrate why James wrote this, I think it's important for us to stand, is we can win. I've read the end of the book. I know, I know we win. I know who wins. For all eternity. So I think James is saying, it, this is okay. It's going to be hard. But there can be joy through this. There can be victory through this. And so I think that's important to understand as we realize the believers were scattered. And um, if you're like me, the whole COVID thing, um, I'm, I'm not basically, I've told you this before, an extrovert. But I kind of am a little bit of an introvert and an extrovert, I guess, a little bit. And being alone is not good for us for a long time. We need people. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. Now, even in saying that, I think it's important to understand. <clears throat> We're never alone. When I'm alone in a hotel room on the road somewhere... Uh, Jesus is there with me. He promised that to me. And lo, I will be with you always, even into the end of the world. And we have the Holy Spirit. We have 
the body of Christ. And we have ability to communicate with each other and all of those kinds of things. So we may be scattered, but we're still a part of a support group. And I think today, understand this, and we're going to talk about strategy in a minute and plans and action steps and all of that. Don't forget that we're a part of a body and that we have the accountability of the local church. We have the accountability of each other. We talked about that. I talked with you about that the last time I spoke. We have all of that. And that's one of the very valid reasons. So let's, let's dig in. I'm going to talk, talk with you this morning about growing up for God. And here's the subtitle, which is the theme of James that we're talking about, is living for God during incredibly difficult times. i got a guy with a suit and a, uh, uh, an umbrella standing in the ocean. Down a few verses, it talks about the... Uh, uh, yeah, verse 6, let him ask in faith, no doubt. He doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. There are times it seems like that's us, that we're alone in the ocean and we're going to keep getting hit by waves and all of that. And, and that's kind of the analogy here in, in the passage. And that's why I talk about that idea of the incredibly difficult times. So here's, here's the main idea. I have that in the very top of your notes uh, there in, uh, in, in the yellow sheet is growing in spiritual maturity is possible. Growing in spiritual maturity is possible. So let's talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> Down in verse 4, basically this one phrase highlights for us what James is talking about. Now I told you about the, the underlying reason, that there were Jewish believers that were scattered because of persecution, and they were away from their support group. He says you can have joy in that and so on. But he said, here's the point. You can grow in Christ, and you have resources. We're going to end up this morning talking about the resources because the text is there, so that you may be perfect and complete, or basically that you, that me, we can be mature in Christ and grown up. That's really what he's writing about. And then he says, during trials, people, you know this, it's hard. It's hard to live for Christ when... We keep getting hit by those waves, right? It's one trial after another, and that's hard. And it's hard because this text says we're all going to be hit with temptations. Temptation to sin. God, by the way, God doesn't need my help to point out what is sin. He doesn't need my help to do that at all. I'm not the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. It's not some man-made or even male-made rule of uh, our list of sin. Sin is our listed in Scripture, and the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, can convict us of that. It's the things that are wrong in the sight of God, but there's areas of temptation that we'll talk about. And so growing in spiritual maturity is possible during times of temptation. It's also very important to realize that the opposite is probably true. We're not going to go, we're not going to grow by yielding temptation. We're not going to grow by crumbling under the weight of trials and becoming very self-centered and very selfish and all of that. So we need to grow and God has given us a ways to grow. And so here, here it is. We read this passage last week, but let me read for you just again as a little bit of review because there's an outline in the first few verses of this paragraph 
that I love, that I want to share with you quickly, not to steal Pastor Todd's thunder from last week, but I just want to talk with you a little bit about this. It says, my brethren, <coughs> count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance, but let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them. Let me just share with you a little bit. There's that, there's that phrase that's there um, that, that I'm using as an illustration, the waves of the sea. Uh, Pastor Todd told this story a few months ago about me, about the time that Todd and Travis and I and a couple of his friends went to the beach. And, and I, everywhere, I mean, you know, as I get older, I'm not sure this illustration works anymore. But, right, I've, I've always been a big dog kind of guy, right? And I, I took swimming lessons forever. I'm a, I'm a pretty good swimmer. But we went to the ocean one day, and I guess there was, like, a hurricane out somewhere or whatever, and the waves were really high. And I was trying to go in the ocean, and I, and I walked into the ocean, and this wave hit me and literally knocked me off my feet. I mean, it did. I mean, my face hit the sand underneath, and I'm kind of like all scraped up or whatever. And I get up, and another wave hit me and knocked me, out, knocked me off my feet. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm sputtering and spitting out salt water. And I get up, and another wave hit me. You know, and it's like, it's like over and over again. My face looks like hamburger but I get, when, I get, when I get done. And, you know, life is like that. We could be adrift and out in the middle of where it seems no hope, or we can be on the shore fighting the waves, and one after another hits us. Sometime, you can read about that in Psalm 18, and we'll talk about that more in just a minute, about that very illustration and how in those kinds of times we can cry out to the Lord. But growing in spiritual maturity and trials, I'm going to do this really quickly. In fact, I'm going to show you this outline, the first chunk of things in your notes there. There are four verbs in the first five verses of, of James chapter 1 that I think are an incredibly practical strategy for growth during times of trials. Count, know, let, ask. And what I've tried to do is put these to memory and to realize when trials hit that these are very practical things that we, that we can build into our lives. My brethren, count it all joy. I've talked to you a little bit about, <coughs> about that word before. The word count means to consider, literally to look at a pile of change and to count and see how much it's there. It's to think it through. Okay, Count it all joy. If you would really think it through and think about what you know, the principles of the Word of God, you know that God is in this and that that's what can give you joy. You also know that the waves, boom, knock you down, boom, knock you down, boom, knock you down, aren't going to last forever. That there is eternity. We, we can count, we can you know, consider, we can really think that through. Number two, we know it's really important to fill our minds with the word of God, knowing that the testing of your faith, the trial that we're facing, produces endurance. That word endurance means to hold up under. 
It's like the guy that went to the preacher and said, uh, boy, I'm just praying, and, and would you pray with me that the Lord gives me patience? So the preacher prays and he says, yes, give this young man trials. And the guy interrupts him and says, I didn't ask you to pray for trials, I asked you to pray for me for patience. And the old wise preacher said, that's how you get patience, is going through trials. Endurance, to hold up under. Here's the principle of that. Know, know this. Right, you ready? God always, always, always has a purpose for trials. The Bible talks about a lot of them. Why would God allow you to go through that? There's always a why with God. I admit I do things. I do things to waste my time. I admit that I do. God never does. And God doesn't ever do things to waste your time, too. God has a purpose. So know this. God has a purpose for what he's doing. The third action step there is to let, L-E-T, or to allow. One of the things, I'm this way, I admit to you, when I go through trials, I'm the first guy to say, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, help me. And it may be that God wants us to go through that so that we learn the lesson. Allow God, allow endurance to have uh, its perfect work. That you, why? That you may grow. Why is this hard? <laughs> so that you can grow. And then number four is ask. My goodness. If there's anything that trials ought to teach us, it's to pray. Let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach, and it shall be given him. And if there's anything that trials ought to teach us, right, it's to pray. I told you about Psalm 18. In my distress, I cried to God, God, help me. And that psalm talks about how God releases the very resources of heaven. He releases the resources of heaven because I cried out to him, because we cried out to him. And that passage talks about the the waves of the sea, the getting hit over and over again, and the snares of death, and those kinds of things, the pangs of life. And we cry out to God, and God, if there's anything that trials ought to do, is teach us to pray. So that brings us to today. Let's look at the passage. Growing in spiritual maturity is possible during times of temptation. Growing in spiritual maturity <coughs> is possible during times of temptation. I found this picture online, again, to illustrate that um, we're all tempted differently. The things that tempt me may not be any big deal to you. The things, I, I, might, I might have victory over some of those things. You might have victory over some of the things that I really struggle with, that I really do, that I need accountability and, and I need to confess to the Lord and, and get rid of and all and those things. But temptations are different. It talks about that. Let me, let me read it. James chapter 1. I'm actually going to read <coughs> down through verse 18. Let me read it. James 12. I'm going to read down through verse 18. Blessed is the man, the person who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Praise God, eternity, the crowns, the crown of eternal life, which the Lord hath promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, 
nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he, when we are drawn away of his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brethren every good gift every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning pause for a moment that is one of the great we're talking pastor todd talked about the doctrinal class that is one of the great pieces of truth about God is God doesn't change in the Bible. That God is always the same, immutable. God is, God is the same. That's a great truth. With whom there's no variation, a shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So let's talk about that. This is a passage that talks about temptation. Talks about that. Look, I've highlighted that in the different font color on the PowerPoint, if you can see that. Here's the idea of temptation. Pastor Todd talked a little bit about trials last week. Remember, he mentioned, and I'll say it again, in this text, the word for trials and the word for temptation is the same word in the original language. And I think God did that. God is sovereign. We learned that even today, that God did that. And then, and then the word of God, the, the context of the passage tells us about what's going on and how we can react to that. But I think it goes back to that idea of being scattered and away from your sport group and alone, that trials and temptations, that's, that some of those things are the same. In other words, the way that we handle it the same and the way that we resist needs to be the same and, and those kinds of things. And so I think it's important to understand that temptation is a word that means trying or testing. It also means the idea here is to trap to trap. You know, if you're going to trap a mouse or whatever it is you're going to trap, if you're a, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, back in my hunting days, you know, a, a mink, whatever it is you're going to trap, right, that you're going to put bait in the trap that is attractive to whatever it is you're trying to trap, right? Satan does that. We talk, this passage talks about being enticed and drawn away and by, by desires. And then it says it's a solicitation to evil or to sin. That's what we have to be careful about. Satan is real. He's not omnipresent. He's not, but he, the demons, is real. the flesh is real in the areas of sin, and we all face it. This passage says we all face areas of temptation. <clears throat> and so I think it's important for us to understand that, um, yeah, that temptations are real. And it's going to be harder when we're alone and away from our support group. And, and then this, and I'm just going to highlight this, and then I'm going to turn for the next few minutes into very practical action steps that are left in this passage. But here's the thing. Blessed is the man, the person who endures temptation, and then at the end it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-blown, brings forth death. I think here's the thing, a principle about temptation that is really important, and that is when we're tempted. Let me see if I can explain this. 
when we're tempted to sin. Humanly, we look at that as a one-time thing, right? It's just one piece of pie. It's just one small amount of money. It's just one picture. It's just, it's just one lie. The end result of, I told you, this is, this is serious. The end result of yielding to temptation is that it leads to trapped in the habit of sin. And it leads, has eternal results, long-term results that we, that we need to understand. And this passage talks about that. So let me, let me turn really, really practical and I'm going to give you some action steps for the rest of our time together. From this passage, <clears throat> there are some important lessons about temptation. Let me just do this rapid fire. You have a fill-in-the-notes thing, fill-in-the-blank thing for your notes. And so, um, yeah, this will be on the test. I'm just kidding. Okay? Number one, everyone will face temptation. Everyone, the, the passage clearly says, I highlighted it, that each one, I highlighted that when I read it, each person is tempted If you say you're not tempted, I'm sorry, you're, you're lying. All of us have areas of temptation. I don't know what they are. They're all different, but we all have areas of temptation, each one of us. Number two, Satan knows our areas of weakness. I've mentioned this a couple times already, and that is our, um, our areas of temptation. My areas of temptation are probably different than yours. The things that would tempt me to sin. This passage says when he's drawn away of his own desires, it's a word that literally means lust, evil desires, <clears throat> and enticed. That's a word, that's a common word today. I was thinking about this passage. I am, uh, I am not much of a fisherman, but I like to fish. And I actually have my, old, my dad's old tackle box you know, you've seen them, right? You open up the tackle box. It's a box about that big. And you open it up. And uh, my goodness, every fishing lure ever is in that thing, right? I mean, there's gold, there's silver, there's red and white, and there's yellow, and there's fake worms that are in there, and probably pieces of old real worms. And there's uh, bobbers, and there's fishing line, and there's hooks, and uh, there's all kinds of lures, and some lures float, and some lures sink, and some lures always get stuck on seaweed. And uh, so there's parts of seaweed in there. And, and you know, you, you know you're, you've probably fished before. But the idea with fishing is you use a lure to lure the fish out of his, whatever fish live, and uh, hit the a hook, and then they're trapped, drawn away, his own lust and enticed. Number three, yielding to sin, yielding to temptation leads to disaster. I talked about this already. When you read this passage, please note that there's a long-term results 
we know this, to sin. <coughs> we look at temptation, like I said, like it's a one-time thing. Sin, sin, again, God doesn't need me to be the person who tells you what sin is. God does that in His Word, and the Holy Spirit can certainly convict us of sin. But sin is serious. I think, I think Satan loves it if we laugh it off. Jesus went to the cross and suffered and shed his blood and died because of our sin. Don't, don't laugh off sin. We look at it as a one-time thing. It's not a big deal. It's just a temptation. And I don't know what those areas are. Again, let God tell you if it's sin, not, not Mel Walker. If it's sin, then let's not laugh that off. Let's just realize that yielding to temptation, yielding to temptation leads to disaster. I've been... I'm a youth worker, right? I've been a youth worker, worked with kids for over 40 years. 40 years. I can't tell you the times that I've known people, kids get caught up in an area of sin and it becomes a habit and it wrecks their lives. Even telling you the story now, my, my heart breaks about people that I know it started with the temptation. It started with yielding to the temptation. It ended up being a habit in their life, and it ended up being a disaster. Ruin their life. Ruin their life. Now, there's always hope. There's always help. There's always <coughs> victory with Christ. Praise God for that. Jesus went to the cross to, to save us, to cover our sin, and, he, and to forgive us our sin. But it's so important that repentance, that we, and, and you understand that. We've talked with you about that before, that we... Give Jesus the chance to take care of that sin in our life. And then number four, we can resist temptation. We can. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, that holds up under, that doesn't give in to sin. So let me, let me just take a few moments. You have a little section there in your notes. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but by the power of um, the printed word, you have these verses. So let me just... Let me just talk with you about that because the Bible does. How, how do we resist temptation? Let's just talk about that for a little bit, how we can resist temptation. And you have some action steps there. You can just jot these down, okay? And I'm going to do this very quickly and then get to the end verse in this passage. Number one, if you want to resist temptation, folks, keep your eyes on Christ <laughs> and stay close to Him. And you have the passages there. It is amazing how the closer we are to Jesus... I'm not a musician, but I love that old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? Look full in his wonderful face, grace, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The closer we are to Jesus... the more ugly sin looks. Right? Number two. Um, 
How do you resist temptation? Memorize and meditate on God's word. If you don't know this verse, I'm just telling you, learn it. (laughs) Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you resist temptation? Memorize and meditate on God's word. Fill your mind. That meditate, bring it back up again. Have it in your mind so that it, it, it comes back to you. You know, I'm in a hotel room all by myself, and I'm tempted because I'm vulnerable at those times in my life. And I remember Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm alone, and I'm vulnerable, but God is there, and God's word is there. Here's another one. Actually quote applicable Bible verses and passages. Here's the thing. Jesus did that. Satan came to Jesus and said, you're hungry, turn the bread into stone. Jesus, take look up on the top of the temple, throw yourself down. The angels, all the world I give to you. And Jesus quoted scripture. People, fill your mind with the word of God so that God's word is there. So you can literally quote God's word, a specific passage of God's word. I thank God for my parents. And one of the things that they did right when we were kids is to make us memorize scripture and to and to build scripture memory as a spiritual discipline into our lives number four pray for the lord's help matthew 26 the disciples were there in the garden and jesus was about to be crucified and they fell asleep matthew 26 watch and pray that you enter not into temptation If you're tempted, pray. Cry out to God. God wants you. God wants wants us to resist temptation. He does. He wants us to. He does not want us to give in. You can pray. Pray. And ask God for uh, help with (coughs) resisting that area of temptation. Number five, stay away from areas of personal temptation. Proverbs talks about that the verse that's there can anybody take fire in their bosom and not be burned folks at this stage of our lives and i would even say this is true for the kids if this stage of life if you know that that's an area of temptation don't go there don't do that build it into your life that the, the habit the discipline of of having safeguards of having accountability so that you don't do that in your life right um, many of you were up at Pastor Todd's house for uh, the, the picnic a few weeks ago, right? Remember that? Our house is three houses down from Pastor Todd's house. Not where his house is, but up where our house is. Right across the street, right across our street from our house. Well, up, up a little bit is Interstate 81. But right across the street is a little, is a ravine. And there's a stream down there. And I am not kidding you about this. When we were building our house, when we were putting our driveway in, the township came in and literally right in front of our house, well, to be honest with you, it's probably like two houses, but they built a guardrail right in front of our house. And I'm telling you, I I really don't think it's because they saw Peggy Drive. (laughs) You know, I mean, I don't think, I don't think one of the township guys was there. You know, one time when Peggy was driving down our, our driveway, really, really steep, you could do, 
you could. You could do Olympic downhill skiing in our driveway. And I don't think the township guy was there one time, and he saw Peggy Walker drive down and said, this lady needs, needs a guardrail. I don't think that's it. I'm just telling you. I don't think that's it. But there's a guardrail. A guardrail is to keep you from going over the edge and ruining your life. Build guardrails of accountability into your life. The support group, the church, the tools that God gives us in his word can be incredible guardrails to keep us from ruining our lives. Again, today I'm thinking about people that I know that yielded to sin and ruined their lives. Don't let that happen. Build guardrails into your life. One little <coughs> section, and we'll, we'll get there in just a minute, and then we'll be done. In the middle of all this, there's this sentence. James writes, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. I think if James were alive today and here and he was the guy talking to you, he'd say, don't get faked out. Don't believe lies. Don't be led away. Don't be deceived. Satan's in the business of tricking you, of lying to you, of lying to us. And I think in the middle of all that, that's why he says, don't get faked out by this. Learn the truth and learn about resisting temptation and Turn to God's, I think it's this, turn to God's resources. Especially when we're vulnerable, when we're scattered and we're by ourselves and we're alone. God's, God has resources and that's how we're going to end. Turn to God's resources when we're alone, when we're away from our support group, during difficult times, during times of trials. Uh, when we're alone, it's, it's the time, chances are, it's the time that we're going to get tempted the most when we're alone. That brings us to the end. Because the end of the section that I want to share with you is verse 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought, of his own will, what, because God wanted to, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now I'm telling you, I looked at my notes and I'm like, I'm the guy who did this, so I'm the idiot, but there's, there's four, not three. Okay, so there's four action steps in these verses that I'm just going to share with you rapid fire because here's the point of, of the last section. God has given us his resources so that we can stand up during trials. <clears throat> and so we can resist temptation by trusting in the resources, the God-given resources. And I'm going to try to make what seems to me to be a hard paragraph very, very easy, very simple. I'm going to try to do that with the four action steps, okay? I've read this to you. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. I've read that to you already. But number one is this. <clears throat> Everyone is this. Trust the gifts of God. That's number one. Well, I'll show you the outline in a minute. Trust the gifts. Don't forget that God, our loving Heavenly Father, has given us 
incredible gifts. We've talked to you about that, including His Son, including grace, the ability to do what is humanly impossible for us to do. By grace are you saved, that we have gifts. We have the gifts of God, and learn what those are. Number two, number two, and in God there is no variableness or shadow of turning. I'm going to show you the outline here in just a minute. But always, always, always trust the character of God. God is always going to be with you. God is never going to change. God is always going to help us, can always help us resist the temptation. The character of God. That's why we're going to talk about with you some of the attributes of God to realize that God is holy. God's sanctified. He's different than, than anything, anybody else. <laughs> and it's so important for us to realize that we have that God. Number three is trust the word of God. We have, as believers, the life-changing word of truth. Life-changing. And we don't read it. We don't study it. We do everything else but. That's one of the things I try to get young people to understand. Why would we play games and all, as, as the priority of our lives? Why would we do that when we can talk about the word of God that changes our lives forever? And gives us answers for life. When we're clueless, we have the word of God. And then, number four, notice the language that's there. Us, we, the first fruits, the first in line, the most important thing of all of his creation. And that goes back to my Uno cards that are on the floor. And that is we, plural, are a part of what God is doing. Folks, we're vulnerable when we're alone. That's when trials are harder. That's when temptations are harder. So trust the resources of God. So here's the outline. The God-given resources that we have, the gifts of God, the character of God, the word of God, the people of God. That we have those God-given resources. James is writing this book to the 12 tribes why do you use that phrase? Because they were away from their support group. We've gone through a little bit of that. We have. And he said to them, Joy, you can have victory through this. You are going to face trials. You are going to face temptations. But, but, you, me, we have God-given resources that can help us grow in Christ and become people that are growing on for God because we can live for him even during trials and during temptation to sin. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. <clears throat> I thank you for the very, very practical truth of your word. There will be times of trials. There will be times when we are tempted to sin. We can grow through those times by learning the lessons from your word building your word into our lives into our minds so that we begin to think the way you want us to think god help us to always trust the god given resources for victory help us to realize we're part of a support group it's so so important and these believers were scattered 
away from the support group. But there's joy because you have given us resources to be able to help us live for you, help us to grow closer to you. Father, my prayer for me, for all my friends that are here, God, is, is that you'd help us to resist the enemy, help us to resist sin, help us not to ever allow habits of sin to go unchecked in our lives because the end result is they're going to ruin our lives. The very thing that you sent your son to cross to die for our sin, to shed, your, shed his blood, to forgive us more sin. Father, help us to understand the message of the gospel, the message of your word. Father, I thank you for our church. Thank you that we could uh, talk about this important passage today. And God, I pray, James, that James, even this uh, first few verses of this chapter would be in our hearts, be in our minds this week for your glory, to help us live for you, help us to grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, people, that's, that's our prayer. Me, Pastor Todd, all of us, that we grow in Christ and uh, be what Christ would have us to be. Thanks. Thanks for coming today. And uh, hey, we love you. And uh, yeah, keep in touch this week. <coughs>